Hello, and welcome to the High Street Community Church Podcast. We're so excited you're learning alongside us, and we pray this message leads you closer to the Lord and others. High Street Community Church is simply a family of friends following Jesus. God bless you as you listen. Good morning. Ready for some more of 1 John? The answer better be yes. Um, today's message is uh, moving right along the letter, and last week we heard about, um, boy, as basic as it can get, let's love one another. And, um, and I hope and guess that you've been put in situations through this week where God's called you to love someone, and maybe it wasn't even easy. I know that was true for me. Sometimes I did well, sometimes not as well. Um, but that's what God calls us to and empowers us to. Is loving one another. This week we have a message. It's actually as, as much of a message as it is a warning. And I, I want to encourage us. Some of us have heard this stuff many, many times. And sometimes, I don't know if you're like me, when you hear something a lot of times, you kind of like write it off like, yeah, I know that. Um, but we all need reminders. And if you haven't heard this before, you're going to be really, really happy. And ba- basically, you'll be relieved if you don't know these truths. So it's a warning. And the, the picture that came to my mind as I thought about teaching this, is uh, anybody ever played basketball before? A couple of you, basketball players. And uh, actually, maybe if you haven't played basketball, it doesn't bounce real well up here, maybe here. There we go. If you haven't played basketball and someone calls you to play basketball, you don't really know the rules. So say they, you know, they toss you the ball, you're going to play basketball, and you start like this. I'm sorry, What? double dribble, and the ball goes to the other team, because this is breaking the rules. This is not how you play basketball. This is how I played basketball when I was like in first grade, because too hard with one hand. So you get that down, and you, you start dribbling like this, and then you think, you know, maybe I'll do some of this. Traveling, and you got to give up the ball again. Or let's say just down here is, is where the court is, and I decide to do this. Out of bounds. And you've got to keep giving up the ball, and you're like, this basketball stinks. I don't want to play. It's no fun. Or you've kind of learned some of the rules, and you're playing, say, Jordan, you're my opponent, and I'm dribbling like this, and what are you going to do? Take the ball. Okay, and I'm like, hey, give me that back. Or if I'm just playing the ball, and I don't really think, and I'm not very careful, and I pass it to the opponent, thinking it's passing it to my team, I'll again lose the thing. So one of the basic things in basketball is you got to know the basic guidelines or rules of the game, or it's no fun, you'll fail. Um, you also have to know that you have an opponent. If you don't realize you're an opponent, you might dribble like this, and then Jordan, hey, you're terrible. You need to practice. <laughs> He's afraid to steal it. Um, and then also, one of the most basic parts of basketball is you have a goal. You're trying to go this direction. And let's say there's a basketball hoop. I won't throw it up there. That's how you score. If you don't know those things in basketball, you will not do very well. So also it is with following Jesus. You have to know the basic truths. We just call that theology. If you don't know those, you can have a really difficult time following Jesus, knowing some of the basics. You have to know that we have an opponent, an enemy. And how do we... Actually, our enemy is a defeated foe, but we still have an opponent. And then how do you score? What's the point? What's the goal here? What's, what, are we, what are we after here? 
So again, so those of you that kind of just like, okay, I know the basics of the faith. I know what he's going to talk about. I've heard this so many times. Be encouraged and be reminded. And then there's some of you in here that might not really know some of these things. Or there's something you don't know. And just like in basketball, if you don't know about traveling, if you don't know about out of bounds, if you don't know about the goal, if you don't know about your opponent, you'll be super frustrated following Jesus. So let me open us up in prayer. Um, I pray that we would get this um, because you'll be really frustrated. Our church will be frustrated. Um, if we don't get it. So let's pray. God, thanks for your Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, active in our lives. Thank you for your written word, the Bible, essential in knowing, um, in knowing you and in following you. Protect us from the evil one. Open our eyes and our hearts um, to your ways by revealing your truth. Amen. So uh, turn, if you would like, um, also in your bulletin, there's notes to follow through. And these notes are really simple and clear to follow that'll make a lot of sense. If you kind of like in the middle of the week, what did we talk about in church? The notes will help you remember that stuff. And I wanted to make a little bit of a plug. This is um, the notes this morning. If you see, I often use different sources for different things, but this one I needed to reference it, is this is a commentary that I've been using, one of many, called um, 1 John, Life at Its Best. Life at Its Best by a, a pastor named Roy Lauren, who was really um, an encourager and helper to Billy Graham. And he was a pastor at a church my dad grew up in. And my dad's like, you got to read this commentary for my pastors. And he had a bunch, and I thought, oh, this little church in Eagle Rock, it's excellent. He's an excellent scholar. And when I saw that he really did a lot of um, help to Billy Graham, I thought, okay, I'll read a bunch of his commentaries. Very good. So I reference it because in your notes, all the points are word for word from this commentary. So I want to give him credit because they're really good. I thought, you know what? This guy says it much better than I could say it. Because the question he starts out with in this section of scripture is, how can we know God and distinguish between truth and error? How can we know God and distinguish between truth and error? And there's four tests that we'll go through. So I'm going to walk through those four things by the indwelling of a divine blank, blank, and I'll go through those. That's our, our four points that we'll, we'll go through this morning. So how can we know and distinguish between truth and error? There's four ways. And I love there that the word that we'll, we'll come across this in, in verse 1 of chapter 4, that we're supposed to test. A um, number of weeks back, I did a message here on faith and science, and one of the things science does so well is test things, and the Bible is telling us, test, 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 check it out. Don't just turn your mind off, but test these things. So we're going to test, and there's four different tests that we'll look at when we, we want to know between uh, truth and error. So the first one, the first test we'll, we'll know and we'll answer by is actually when I steal a verse from last week's sermon, the very last verse in that passage is at the end of chapter 3, and it reads, And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. And then starting in chapter 4, verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. So right out of the bat, it's like, wait, we have an opponent. Don't believe every spirit. You never hear that phrase, don't believe everything you hear, kid. You know, someone gullible. That's kind of the, the, the stance here. It's like, just because something is a spirit. Now, in Santa Cruz, our, our culture is actually a little more attuned to spiritual things. But typically, in a Western culture, we think, there's no such thing as spirits. You're crazy. You need to go see somebody if you're hearing voices. Well, you can hear voices. It might be from God. might be from an evil spirit. It, and also, there's certainly 
people have mental issues where they are hearing voices too, but let's not be unaware that there are spiritual beings out there that, that can uh, speak to us, influence us, um, and, and interact in our lives. So that's right out of the gates is, is uh, John is saying that in, in verse 1. is like, hey, don't believe every spirit that you hear. And the first point, the first test is against, you know, how do you know if it's a good spirit or bad spirit is really what we're asking here. And that's by the indwelling of the divine spirit. That's our first feeling. By the indwelling of a divine spirit, the last verse of chapter 3 says, hey, we know this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. So if you um, embrace the spirit of Jesus Christ and say, I give you my life, I thank you for forgiving of me of my sins, for taking my place, what happens at that moment of belief is God's Holy Spirit comes and lives, takes up residence, lives inside of you. So you have God inside of you, and that spirit, God's Holy Spirit, will confirm, yes, this is true. He's the spirit of truth. However, even though God's spirit is in us, you can still believe a lie. That's why I'm saying to Christians, don't believe every spirit, don't, get, don't believe every sense that you hear, because the power is in the lie. You see, God is the conqueror, the, uh, Satan's a defeated foe, but if Satan tells you a lie, or a demon impresses a lie upon you, and you believe it, if you believe a lie, you can be influenced improperly. Does that make sense? But if you know it to, not, to be a lie, you don't have to believe it, there's no power. There's no bark, there's no bite to that bark. So, warning, don't believe every spirit, the power is in the lie. And then a simple question, this would be a whole other sermon, probably a sermon series. How do you hear God's voice? That's, a, that's not a simple, easy, easy question. Um, people that have coached and encouraged me, one of the things they say, they say, practice. Practice hearing God's voice. How do you discern practice? Was that God's voice? Did I hear him right? Um, so I've, I've practiced, I've had people you know, that are more mature in the Lord say, you know, I tell them, here's what I think God's putting on my heart, here's what I think God's saying, and older, wider, wiser Christians can help you discern if that's God's voice. Maybe the best way to discern if you've heard something from God or sent something from God is the Bible. God's never going to impress something upon you that would contradict Scripture. So if he's putting something on your heart or you're hearing some truth or something you think might be true, check it against the Bible and it will, um, you'll find out real quick if that's true. And then as I mentioned again, practice. Practice listening to God. How does he actually speak? Audible? He can. He has. He does. My experience, he doesn't do it very often. He doesn't do it with very many people, but he can. Probably the most popular way outside, I'd say probably the most popular way God speaks to us is the scripture, but he can impress a sense on you. You say, I sense that I should go do something. I sense that I should say, or I sense this is wrong, okay? You're, you get these impressions, and you can test them with the scripture, test them with other people, or sometimes other people will speak on God's behalf in your life, and you'll want to listen to that and check that. Check it against scripture, check it against their life, those kinds of things. But we'd be foolish to turn off our Western scientific mind to say God doesn't speak. Just like we'd be foolish to turn off our Western scientific mind that says the evil spirits don't speak. There's different ways they can impress upon us. And it's almost, you know, the reason I thought of that basketball impression, it's foolish to think you'd play basketball without an opponent. And sometimes as Christians, I know I do this, I just forget we have an opponent. Like, why am I so frustrated today? Why isn't this working out? Why am I discouraged? Why am I believing the... Well, your opponent is fouling you up. Okay, so that's the first test, is, 
is know that you have the divine spirit in you um, helping you recognize truth and what's true and what's false. Second thing, look at verses two and three. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. That's about as basic as you can get. Am I right? So this particular heresy that these churches were wrestling with is they thought that Jesus wasn't at the same time fully God and fully man because they thought flesh was evil. So they, they wouldn't believe that Jesus was, was fully God and fully man. And so John, to this issue, and this, this will cover a ton of lies that we can hear. You know, how do you know if this religion is true? How do you know if this person you know, is, is a Christian or not and what they're saying is accurate? Just the simple basic question is, um, do you believe, or you could put in the word confess, that Jesus Christ is God? Not that Jesus Christ is a God or a servant of God or sent of, is Jesus God? Basic and simple, is he God? You know, a part of the Godhead, God the, Holy, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son. If people don't believe that, if an organization or a church doesn't believe that, they're listening to a lie and they're false. They're against Christ, actually. And that's a bit, it sounds simple, but it's so foundational who Christ is and who he claimed to be. If you don't believe that, if you don't deny that, or if someone denies that, don't follow them, don't listen to them. It's one of the best. Um, I was in, I actually had to take chemistry in college three times because I could not pass it. And um, there's something, I'm going to maybe show some of my ignorance here too. (laughs) You know what a litmus test is? We learned this, I think, in high school chemistry. Again, I say I think because I maybe wasn't paying attention. But you put a liquid, you dip it on this paper, and if it turns pink, it's acidic. Some kind of other scientists out there, help me. Blue is basic. Is that, I was getting ready, I'm like, I can't remember which is which. I'm not a chemist, I'm a preacher, it's okay. <laughs> but you drop whatever liquid on it, and it tells you on the scale whether it's an acidic or basic. And it happens every time. It's clear. It's a great test. If you're not sure if someone is a false teacher, if you're not sure a church is a Christian church, ask a simple basic question. Do they believe Jesus is the Son of God? Fully God and fully man. Yes or no? Simple litmus test. Grateful for that. I love that he just comes out and writes it right there and says it. Third test is by the presence of a divine life. Verse 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome, uh, overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So the presence of a divine life. So if you live a perfect life, then you're a Christian. No. Stop laughing. No, but you have traits of an overcoming life. Overcoming life, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. God is, this isn't a like 50-50 battle between good and evil, right? This is God is gigantic, and he's allowed evil a little bit of um, leeway to do what's going on until he completely defeats him. And, and evil is, um, I look forward to that day. But uh, by the presence of a divine life, your life should have some, and will have some, overcoming life in it. What, what that looks like, um, if you're a kid, this, is, this was my experience, I want to say I was like five years old and I had the worst temper. Worst temper. I, I'm, I really don't have that anymore, but as a kid, I remember these times, I remember my mom sitting with me 
just crying because she was so fearful that someday I'd get married and be a terrible husband and be a bad dad, just raging angry. I just would get so angry. And, and I remember this, that when I'd get angry, I had to get more angry the next time for it to feel right, you know, and I'd get raging. And uh, I remember she was praying over me, and I remember even praying about it, and then it was literally delivered. I just didn't have a temper anymore. I haven't had a temper since then. I mean, I'll still get mad a little bit, but not like this, become the Incredible Hulk, you know, minus the green and the giant muscles, just <laughs> raging angry, maybe the fire eyes that he had. Um, that's an overcoming life. It's a, it's a sign or an example of God relieved me of that sin. Or here's a better one. In high school, um, we had this, I think, in my junior year in English class, everybody was assigned a topic to come up front and give uh, an impromptu speech. And it was a class of like 30 students, and I got what are my topic, and I had to come up front, and I, it was like the worst day of my life. Could not stand being in front of people, didn't know what to do, fumbling. I'm actually, as an introvert, just thinking about what everybody else is thinking about, not what I'm actually supposed to say. It's such a terrible burden or torture, and I'm up there, and literally the students are like telling me what to say because they felt so bad for me. I'm just <laughs> pouring sweat, dying, because she was like three minutes, you know, she'd time me, and I was like, uh, it was so terrible. Now I do this every week. <laughs> what in the world, God? I still have no desire to get up in front of a bunch of people. I don't really get a charge of getting up in front. I don't feel better or more popular or nothing. It's not fun for me. What am I doing up here? Well, God has gifted me with an ability to equip, encourage, challenge, to um, clarify scripture. All the, I'm like, I want to do that. I would love to listen to what God has to say, study it, and help our church. Love to do it. I'll do it every time I can do it. Love to, I mean, it's hard work and it's tiring for sure, but there's no sense of experience of getting up here and having to give a speech. I don't know how to do that. I'm terrible at that. But I'll, I'm, I'll bounce a basketball if it means you understand, oh, I got to know the basics of the faith to be successful. Whatever it's going to take to unlock what God's trying to teach us, I'll do it. See the difference? That's an overcoming life. God can use a shy, scared kid, you know, through a lot of work and training to overcome that. So what has God um, helped you overcome in your life? Think about that. In fact, I'd love, I'd love to hear some of those stories, but what is it that God has done, like, even uses me to do this? That's a test to show that you have the Spirit in you. What simple yeses are you saying yes to God that he then takes miraculously to do things for the kingdom? We all have them. As we say yes to God, he's in that kind of business. He loves to overcome things, and he will use even me, he'll use even you to do amazing things. Those stories are fun to hear because you see God. How has your simple yes to God resulted in, really in your blooming, in your blossoming? That's what God loves to do is, is you're a seed and he's just gonna make, make this beautiful tree, this beautiful flower out of who you are by his work. Share those stories. In fact, those stories have been coming out on the table of five in the equipping hour. That's one of the most enjoyable things is people are sharing how has God worked in your life. You're like, I never knew that. It's ways where you said yes, and you have the presence of a divine life by, by experiencing these overcoming stories. Last one, verses 5 and 6, is by the authority of a divine word. How do we distinguish between truth and error? By the authority of a divine word. John writes, they are from the world. 
Therefore, they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God doesn't listen to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So John's like, you want to know the difference between truth and error? These folks are just, they're from the world, and they don't listen. We're from God. And he's not claiming like he's something special. He's claiming God is something special, and God has indwelt him, and he's speaking on God's behalf. In fact, we have written scripture from the Apostle John, and he's saying, I've told you these truths. So listen. A lot of times, um, you know, people actually know, now, okay, you've been through seminary or you work at a church, they'll ask me different questions. Hey, do you think this and this and this? Or what do you think about this? Sometimes I'll have the answer, but sometimes I'll say, I don't know, and I'll talk to people, but you know what I do most? Go to Scripture. Scripture's the authority. We couldn't have a church. I mean, we'd be really dependent on God. would have to audibly speak to us, and we'd write it down. But we have his word. How would we know what is true and what's not true? How would we set our theology? How would we have the basics? How would we know Jesus really is God? Not just by the Spirit confirming it, because we've, we can study his word. and We can read what he's written. How do we know, know right from wrong? How do we know if someone's telling us the truth or telling us a lie? by the authority of his word. Let me encourage you this. If you've got a question that's just eating you away, or someone comes in and asks you a question and you don't know the answer, I beg you. I'm not saying I'd know the answer, but come and talk to me. Many of you have. And you don't just have to talk to me. Our church is loaded with people that know the scripture and can help you dig in the scripture. Part of the fruit of asking a good question is not just getting the answer, but learning how to find the answer. That's a big, big, big deal. That's what, a lot of what they teach you in seminary is not just, I mean, if I've forgotten half what I learned, answers-wise, but I've remembered the tools of how to find answers, how to find the truth. And so when you have these questions, don't bury them. God could be using that question not only to answer an issue that you have, but also to help equip you to answer more questions and help you equip other people. And by the way, some questions God in his great wisdom has decided not to answer. So sometimes that's the answer is like, I don't know. You got to beef with God. Ask him. He'll tell us later. But we have the divine word. So many, so many of our questions are answered in the scripture. And I'll say this too. The more and more and more I have studied scripture, I can't believe how good it is. I mean, I thought it was good. And then you're studying like, oh my gosh, this is brilliant. And then I'm like, of course it's brilliant. It's God. I'm like, no, no, you don't get it. This is really, really smart. I've I basically am showing my ignorance. <laughs> more and more, it's sufficient, it's genius, and it's authoritative. And, and really, Scripture is a divine gift. And I'm afraid too often we neglect it. Especially when it comes to discerning good and evil, right and wrong, Scripture's a way to go. A couple warnings as we look at a, um, how we can take this away from here. Or a warning and a thought. I encourage you as a church to be discerning, not judgmental. One of the dangers that we get when we get to uh, like knowing the truth is you go, you, you elevate yourself. I know the truth. This church or that person's wrong because I'm in the right and they're in the wrong. God never calls us to do that. He loves them just as much as he loves us. We're not to be judgmental. Discerning, yes. I'm not going to follow that teaching. I'm not going to be a part of that church that's uh, that's in error or that false teacher, but you're not better than them. 
See the difference? And we make that mistake thinking because I have the truth that I'm better. Let's not be a church like that. Let's not be people like that. Let's be loving people and pray that God would guide, if that person's in error, guide them into the truth. It's care- like, I know when I get the truth, sometimes I get puffed up and I think I'm better. And that's, that's a lie. Go back in the scripture. God will show you that that's a lie. Second thing, um, next thing I want us to really get as we leave. God is equipping you He's called you and is excited for you to score. So, learn the basic truths of the game. When we did our series last, uh, last fall on follow me, we basically asked, what does it mean to be a follower of Christ and how can I cultivate followers in Christ? And there was some basic stuff, but it was good to be reminded to go, okay, it means I gotta be studying the word. It means I gotta be praying. Prayer's gotta really mark my life. I gotta love people i got to put my faith in action. Those basic things, you got to know those basic things. If you don't know the basic rules of the game, guidelines, you're not going to be successful. What does it mean? That was the whole point of that whole series was, what does it mean to score? God says, or Jesus told us, go in your going, make disciples. If we're not making disciples, if we're not sharing what we've learned with other people, we're not doing what he's called us to do, what he's made us to do. So learn the truth of the, of the faith. And we'll do that again this, this fall when we, when we look at that basic, what's most important? Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. We're gonna, we know this, but, but do we know it by experience? We're going to look at that again. So learning the basic truth. The second thing is, and I shared this already, but respect your opponent. Respect your opponent. I'm going to read, when I close, a passage out of 1 Peter that talks about the devil as being like a lion and what that means. And two things to know about your opponent. Um, and this was taught to me by a professor in seminary. He said, and he taught on spiritual warfare a lot. He said, you know, the dangers that sometimes Christians make is that we think there's a demon under every rock, right? So if it's a basketball image, say that that's our goal, then, then we're playing like this the whole time. I'm not going to really pass. I'm not going to do anything because I'm afraid everything is evil. I'm not going to do anything because I'm terrified. And actually, the other thing I'll do is I'll stay here on my side of the court because I'm not going to go to the goal because as soon as I go over there, the defenders start getting really crazy and start swinging at me. It gets hard. So I'm just going to stay in my safe place and I'm not, you're not scoring if you're playing on this side. You've got to go and score and get in the game and, and play. And, it, and, it's, and it's hard. But respect you have an opponent, but they're a defeated opponent. They're not almighty like God is. But you do have an opponent. You, you, you can get the ball stolen. You might pass it to the wrong person. We can make mistakes. So be respectful and be careful. I'll actually read in a second what, what Peter tells us to do. And then the last thing into this is since God's equipped us and called us and, and he's excited for us to score, go score. Have a good time. He wants us to. He's already won. I keep saying this. You know, I, I'm tempted to say it wrong. He's won the game. He wants us to participate in these battles. He wants to use us. And, that, and what that, what's that mean to score is to love God, love your neighbor as yourself, and as you follow Jesus, cultivate followers. That's the deal. That's what we're to do as a church. That's what we're to do as followers of Christ. Listen to the scripture. 1 Peter chapter 5, um, as followers of Jesus, this is what we need to hear. You know, Jesus talked about false teachers as wolves in sheep's clothing. And Peter writes, um, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around, uh, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. 
Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. After you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who's called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Just let me point out a couple things in there. The devil's a roaring lion. You know why lions roar? To just basically give the victim a stroke so they're just paralyzed. They just want her to be in shock. So then eating them is easy. They're just boop, terrified. Have you ever heard a lion roar, by the way? Like up in San Francisco Zoo and they put throw the meat in the echo chamber and it's terrifying. You know, we have speakers and all that kind of stuff, but when you hear a real, a real lion roar for real, it's, it's debilitating. And that's what Satan's often doing in, is roaring, but there's no teeth. He can't devour you. He's trying to scare you. And if you believe his lies, that's when we're vulnerable. Don't believe the lies. He's roaring around. And so, but, it, but what scripture does say is be sober-minded. Be watchful. Resist. Be firm in your faith in Jesus Christ. So you're going to get in the match. You're going to play. You're going to go against your opponent, going into the truth, using the, doing what God's called us to do. And then after a while, this is the part that I hear, and I'm like, ah. Oh. It's like warm milk trying to help you go to sleep. Listen to this. After a while, God himself will restore you. Anybody need restoration? He'll confirm you. Yep, your mind. He'll strengthen you, and he'll establish you. Let's pray. God, um, it is scary to think about the evil one. But we're not focused on him and his work. We're alert and we're watching. But we're focused on you. We don't need to fear the darkness because you're the light. And when the light's shining bright, the darkness goes away. It's dispelled. Protect our church from the evil one, each person here. Protect us by the strength and power of your spirit. Protect us by um, helping us to see the lie, whether it's a small, corrupting lie or a big, devastating lie. We are grateful for this warning. We get lulled into sleep, thinking everything's fine, going about our business. We know you care for us, and we know that you're more than able and capable, and you've called us into battle that you've equipped us. May we encourage one another. Um, singing your praises sure helps us as well. We love you and we're grateful. Thank you for listening to the High Street Community Church weekly message. We hope you were encouraged to follow Jesus. For more, please subscribe to our podcast or visit us online at hscchurch.org.